lost city of Atlantis was said to be the world's first advanced civilization. A powerful, rich kingdom. Most people think of Atlantis as a very highly technologically advanced civilization that might have had space travel, might have had automobiles, submarines. Legend says 12,000 years ago, it disappeared suddenly in a single day and night. The theories of its location range from just off the coast of Ireland to the Azor Islands, 900 miles west of southern Europe, even Antarctica. In Nazi Germany, many believe the Aryan master race were descendants of the Atlanteans. Among them, Heinrich Himmler, head of the secret police, the Gestapo. He sent expeditions everywhere, from Tibet to Greenland, looking for the ancient civilization. Then, in 1940, one man made an astonishing prophecy. His name is Edgar Cayce, a renowned psychic. In one of his readings, he predicts Atlantis will be discovered in the Bahamas. Then, in 1968, Biologist J. Manson Valentine is scuba diving in the Bahamas when he discovers an enormous, seemingly man-made structure, the Bimini Road. Many believe Atlantis had been found at last. But many geologists insist the Bimini Road is simply a natural formation. When you first look at the Bimini Road, it does look a lot like some kind of artificial structure. But that impression uh, comes from the, the wrong idea that in nature you're not actually going to find a lot of straight lines and, and highly ordered structure. The reality is you can find these all over the place. Look at crystals, look at different sorts of uh, basalt formations. But stories of the lost city continue to intrigue explorers across the globe. The search continues. How's it going, my fellow history scholars? Welcome back to the podcast where we talk about the unanswered questions of history and unravel the mysteries and the many questions we ask about our past. Today, I will be doing an episode on Atlantis. And if you weren't able to guess from that video, that's obviously the subject that we'll be talking about today. I have arranged an, a written interview for this as well. So I want to virtually thank Carlos Biscaglia for sending in answers to a list of questions that I sent him. You see, Carlos only speaks a little bit of English. And so I was able to send him questions and he was able to answer those for me. So in a way, we still have an interview here today. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be reading those questions that I sent into him, and then I'll also be reading his answers. And I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. So the first question I sent in was, people how you first got interested in researching history and the different research you've done. And he responded, my interest is not directed exclusively in archaeology, but in the origin of the human being. With a series of books that I have published called the Cassandra series, I am going back into human history. Initially, I wrote about the origin of the Gospels, then I 
wrote about the existence or non-existence of Moses and the Exodus. Later, I wrote a book about whether or not the flood really occurred. Then I wrote a book about the comet that involved the world about 12,800 years ago. The next book will be about Egypt. My working method is to find hard evidence in the field of archaeology, the study of human DNA, historical sources, the history of Earth's climate, and from other scientifically reliable sources. When I've collected all the available documented facts on a subject, I try to see if they can be combined together more effectively than we have done in the past. But I always make sure that everything I say has a demonstrable scientific basis. I don't like to tell sensational things siempre me aseguro de que todo lo que digo tiene una base científica demostrable. No me gusta contar cosas sensacionalistas que no se pueden demostrar. The next question was, what first got you interested in researching Atlantis? Bueno, to be honest, I had never been a true Atlantis seeker. Prior to writing this book, I had never delved into this subject on my own. Like many, I thought it was just Plato's fictional story of the explosion of the Santorini volcano. There was only one aspect that puzzled me. The date chosen by Plato about 11,500 years ago. When you tell a fairy tale, you usually say once upon a time, whereas Plato wrote a very precise date, knowing that the statement would be evaluated and weighed by some of the most brilliant minds in history, his colleagues in the 4th century Greece. For this reason, that date seems strange to me, like something out of tune. But I never investigated this topic. Many years later, I was doing research on Sundaland, a continent that was progressively submerged by the waters of the Pacific Ocean due to the late deglaciation starting 14,500 years ago. Due to the collapse of the Arctic, Antarctic ice sheet, Sundaland was hit by three very violent mega tsunamis, presumably around 14,500 years ago, 11,500 years ago, and 7,500 Unlike Atlantis, the disappearance of Sunderland under the Pacific Ocean is a scientifically proven fact about which there is ample scientific documentation. As I read the various studies from the various universities, the similarity between the two events flashed through my mind. Plato said that 11,500 continent was submerged by water. Science today tells us that a continent was indeed submerged by rising waters in the Pacific Ocean. And one of these waves occurred exactly 11,500 years ago. As Plato wrote, just a coincidence? Question mark. I thought it was impossible that it was just a coincidence. So I continued my research and I think I found what Plato called Atlantis. Mientras leía sobre diversos estudios de las distintas universidades sobre este hecho de, de Sundaland, vino en la mente la similitud que ambos acontecimientos tenían. Platón dijo que hace 11.500 años un continente fue sumergido por el agua. La ciencia actual nos dice que efectivamente un continente quedó sumergido por la subida de las aguas en el Océano Pacífico y que una de esas olas ocurrió exactamente hace 11.500 años atrás, como escribió Platón. ¿Sobre una coincidencia? Sé que era imposible que fuera solo una coincidencia. Así que continué mi investigación y creo 
credo che incontrei lo che Platone chiamò Atlantide. My next question was most researchers have been led to believe that Atlantis was lost somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic. So how does your research show different? And he responded, in my research, I put Atlantis from Plato's point of view, not from our current point of view as 21st century people. What did Plato know and what did he not know in his time? Plato's ancestors were convinced that the earth was flat and that it ended shortly after the geographical point that we today call the Strait of Gibraltar. This is confirmed by the map of Hecatus of Miletus from 550 BC to 476 BC, according to which the Earth was a disk as we have described it, ending at the Strait of Gibraltar. Plato, who lived a few decades after Hecatus of Miletus, had accepted Pythagoras' new idea that the Earth could be spherical, although he knew neither the measurements nor what lay beyond the Strait of Gibraltar called the Pillars of Hercules. Plato says that the account of Atlantis was not by him, but is merely a retelling of the account of the Greek statesman Solon, who lived about two centuries before Plato. Solon, therefore, having lived before Hecatus of Miletus, was convinced that the earth was flat and that after the Strait of Gibraltar there was nothing. It is therefore impossible for him to have written about an ocean he did not even know existed. Plato himself, in his account of Atlantis, never once used the Greek term for oceanos. Not, so, not once does the term Atlantic Ocean appear in his writings. On the contrary, Plato speaks of Pelago Atlanticos, Sea of Atlas. The term Atlas in Plato's time did not refer to the ocean, which he did not know and therefore did not exist for them. At that time, the term Atlas referred to a mountain range, Mount Atlas. Today, this mountain range is still called the same name and is located in North Africa. The Atlas Sea in Plato's mind was therefore the Sea of Mount Atlas, which roughly corresponded to the Western Mediterranean and the stretch of sea in front of Morocco and Mauritania. To have translated the term Atlas Sea as Atlantic Ocean was one of the biggest translation errors in history. Until 1492, when America was discovered, no European, not even Christopher Columbus, knew what lay beyond that sea. In fact, Columbus called the people of America Indians, convinced that he had reached India. We've talked about this before uh, with some of the Knights Templar researchers that we've had on the show, and might disagree with uh, Carlos a little bit there that um, Columbus was uh, the first one, I guess you can say, to across the ocean because we might have proof that the Templars did that. Uh, but besides that, he goes on to say, in fact, Columbus called the people of America Indians convinced that he had reached India. Those who say that Atlantis was in the middle of the ocean are telling a historical falsehood. Plato had no idea of the existence of an Atlantic Ocean stretching from Europe to America. This is an easily provable historical fact. Convincido que había llegado a la India y no en otra tierra. 
So my next question was, explain to our listeners what Nan Madol is and how it might possibly be connected to the story of Atlantis. So this is something really interesting, actually. Uh, Nan Madol's a city, and uh, I'll, I'll read what he gave us his answer, but this was uh, something that I found really fascinating when uh, he sent his answers in to me. So he goes on to say that Nan Madol is a city that cannot have been built recently. It is partially submerged, and geologists are sure that the island has not sunk due to a phenomenon such as Brady seism in the last few thousand years. If the island has not sunk, then it is the sea that has risen and submerged it. This leads us to believe that Namadol was built before the last deglaciation, before 14,500 years before the Pacific Ocean rose. Furthermore, the size of Nanmadol is that of a metropolis of the past. It weighs about at least 150,000 tons, but some think it weighs much more. How can a metropolis be built in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, at least a thousand kilometers away from the nearest mainland, with stones weighing more than 50 tons? To build it, you needed at least one base. And this could not only come from Sundaland. Then Madol has all the appearance of a real city, so the possibility that it is one of Sundaland's most important cities, or even its capital, is very high. Could even It could even be the real city behind the story of the city of Plato, example, Atlantis. So I really found this interesting. And then Namadol is not the only example of a sunken, sunken city like this. At least uh, a lot of scholars have uh, tried to claim that the Yanagami ruins located in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Japan may also be a lost city. And if you guys have followed any of the research of Graham Hancock, uh, he talks a lot about this and he's actually gone to that. He describes how there's these perfect right angles and stuff that really isn't made too often by nature because we know that straight lines and right angles, perpendicular stuff like that is stuff that has to be man-made because nature very often, more than not, does not make uh, straight lines like that. So my next question was, Nemadol is an archaeological site located in the Pacific Ocean. So how does this help us understand the story of Atlantis? And he responded, from a strictly scientific point of view, the only continent that has been really submerged by water during the history of Homo sapiens is Sundaland, together with uh, Sah Sahuland. Sorry, probably butchered that. Uh, the date given by Plato coincides perfectly with the submergence of Sundaland, and this cannot be a coincidence. So somewhere, Plato, or before him, Salone, had access to the account of this story and must have mixed it up and passing it on to us. According to the French scholar Etoine Brassier de Bourg, Barbourg, uh, from 1814-1874, some people in Central America were aware that a continent has been submerged in the Pacific Ocean. They called it the Land of Mu. And yes, I'm glad that he brought this up, actually, because a lot of people have, uh, a lot of scholars believe that the Yanaguni ruins may have been a part of this lost continent of Mu. And I think it was 
Josh Gates, who did a really interesting episode on the Yanaguni Rims and uh, brought up the idea of the Lost Continent or the Land of Mu. So if you guys haven't seen that uh, episode of Expedition Unknown, then I definitely recommend it. It's a good episode. And it kind of goes on uh, the same topic of what we're talking about today. Uh, it's basically the Pacific version of what we see as the legend of Atlantis. But anyways, Carlos goes on to say they called it the land of Mu. Plato first part tells us of a civilization that was located at the foot of Mount Atlas in North Africa. The Egyptians called those people by the name of Mashwesh or land of Ma. The names, the names of land of Mu and land of Ma are very similar to each other. It is highly probable that Salon or Plato thought that the land of Ma and the land of Mu were the same geographical place and that Egyptian writers gave the account to Salom had simply made a copyright uh, copying mistake. So they thought that the land of Atlas or land of Mu, land of Ma, was submerged by water like the land of Mu or Sunderland. Involuntarily, by confusing the land of Ma with the land of Mu, they created Atlantis, the unknown island, or the unknown land. Así que pensaron que la tierra de Atlas o tierra de Ma estaba sumergida por el agua como la tierra de Mu o Sundaran. Involuntariamente, al confundir la tierra de Ma con la tierra de Mu, crearon la Atlántida, la tierra desconocida. La Madola está estrechamente relacionada con la historia de Sundaran y, por tanto, por reflejo, está relacionada con la historia de la Atlántida. So that's interesting right there. Uh, that land of Ma... Uh, may have been confused with Atlantis because there's these two slight variations in uh, pronouncing the land of Mu because uh, the one land of Ma and then the other one's uh, land of Mu. So those are very, very similar. So that that could be very fascinating if that's actually how the legend of Atlantis began to grow us out of this idea of the lost continent of Mu. And obviously we know scientifically from plate tectonics that continents have changed and shifted and moved across the earth over time we have convection currents underneath the crust of the earth that over thousands and thousands of millions of years uh these continents are being submerged and resubmerged and the land that we know today as the seven continents in uh on earth were not the same continents uh, back in time so really, uh, when people think that the idea of Atlantis is just mythology, we know for a fact that stuff like this has happened in the past. So the the idea of Atlantis doesn't seem uh, super far off. Anyways, by confusing the land of Ma with the land of Mu, they created Atlantis, the unknown land. Nan Madul is closely related to the history of Sundaland, and thus by reflection is related to the history of Atlantis. So that's how those two are tied together. My next question was, in your book, you talk about a Japanese satellite that identified the remains of what was a quasi-island in the Sahara. How does, it, how does this connect to Nanmadol and the story of Atlantis? And he responded, a Japanese satellite has discovered that over 7,000 years ago, a gigantic river, the Tamin Raset, yeah, which 
do that. Sorry. Perhaps up to 90 kilometers wide and places cut through a piece of Africa from Mount Atlas to the Atlantic Ocean. This river, semi-circumnavigating that land, made it a de facto island in the Greek sense of the word, i.e. a land, almost completely surrounded by sea. This shows that Plato did not lie to us. The land of Ma, or a great island of Ma, which he called Atlantis, at least geographically existed and in the time period described about 11,500 years ago. My next question was, in your book, you talk about a Japanese satellite that identified the remains of what was a quasi-island in the Sahara, how does this connect to Namadol and the story of Atlantis? Yes. And he responds, yes, Pillars of Hercules. I asked the same question there, and I just noticed that, so that's why I'm pausing. Anyways, uh, Sorry about that. He responded and he said, yes, the Pillars of Hercules, which we call the Strait of Gibraltar, were right on the side of Mount Atlas, were part of the great island of the Ma or Atlantis. They are exactly where Plato said they were. Plato also speaks of an open sea or an enclosed sea. These two descriptions depict well the side facing the Mediterranean, which was an open sea, and the gigantic river Taman Rasa which, because of its huge size, really looked like an enclosed sea. But it was accurate to the smallest detail. He only confused Ma with Mu, thinking that they were one geographical area. But with the exception of a small error, his account is incredibly accurate geographically. My next question was, how does environmental change play into the story of Atlantis? And he responded, Atlantis was destroyed by climate change. So these changes played a major role in its history. If by Atlantis we mean the people of Ma, the Mashwesh, located at the foot of Mount Atlas, then their land was converted into a desert, the Sahara. According to the studies of climatologists, the Sahara in the past was a verdant place full of water. There were huge lakes like the Caspian Sea and huge rivers like the Amazon, or even bigger. All this happened when it was dominated by what scholars called the African Human Period. Unfortunately, over time, the African Human Period was replaced by the arid climate. So the Sahara became completely desertified, and even the giant river Tamanrasa dried up completely. The island of Atlantis therefore disappeared, reuniting with the rest of Africa. What was once a verdant paradise has turned into a sand hell, the Sahara. Any remnants of the land that Plato called Atlantis now lie beneath the sands of the Sahara. If, on the other hand, by Atlantis we mean the land of Mu, the continent that sank into the Pacific Ocean, then climate change has been fatal here too. The glaciers have melted and almost all of Sunderland has been submerged by water over time. The submergence lasted for about 3,000 to 4,000 years, but there were frightening tsunamis. But there were frightening tsunami waves that destroyed everything. The only part of Sunderland that remains emerged is what we call Indonesia. So, 
I also find this uh, incredibly fascinating. If you guys haven't looked into it, the history of the Sahara is very interesting because it used to be a lot greener than the hostile environment that today. And a lot of it was actually green territory. And so the idea that Atlantis could be in the Sahara seems kind of crazy at first. But once you take into account the geographical change and the climatology that goes into uh, the Sahara and how it changed over the time period of Plato, this could have easily been a lot more of a green area than what we know the Sahara to be today. So the idea that Atlantis could be located in the Sahara doesn't seem that far off. And this is what I find extremely interesting in this book, because a lot of people, you know, think that Atlantis was located in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. But then Carlos in his book, Atlantis 2021, goes on to explain that that was a huge misconception. And not only that, but Atlantis could even be located in the Sahara, which is probably one of the least likely places that people have ever thought it to be located throughout time. So my next question was, what is the connection between Namadol, the island, and the Sahara near the Strait of Gibraltar and Atlantis? And he responded that, as far as we know at the moment, there are two completely different stories. Plato or Salon joined them together only because he thought that the similarity of the names Land of Ma or the Land of Mu was a copying error. But of course, he was wrong. Was there a real connection between the people of Ma or uh, between the people of Ma of the Mediterranean and the people of Mu or the, of the Pacific, this subject will be the subject of research. My next question was, how have critics responded to your research? And he said that, I expected a lot of negative criticism, but there has been very little. Many say that the argument is very reasonable and that it is probably cl the closest explanation of Atlantis to reality. Most people appreciate that the whole book is based on scientific facts that are in the public domain and easily provable. The most common criticism is, have the remains of cities been found under the Sahara? The criticism is fair, but excavations would have to be organized to find out whether under Sahara there are city ruins or not. Unfortunately, the entire Sahara region today is very politically unstable. Also, to do research like this, you need a lot of money, specialized equipment, and many available technicians. So I think it will be many years before we have a definitive answer to this very reasonable question. Además, para hacer una investigación de este tipo se necesita mucho dinero, equipos especializados, muchos técnicos. Así que creo que pasará mucho antes de que tengamos una respuesta definitiva a esta pregunta tan razonable. So, yeah, I'm surprised as well that he hasn't gotten a lot of negative feedback. But you read his book and you'll see that it's actually, uh, just like he gave the answer here, that a lot of it's based on scientifically provable facts. So completely turn the story of Atlantis upside down. People, so many people throughout time and people that have researched Atlantis have assumed that it was located somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. But if you're able to do the research and put aside uh, centuries of bias and purely base your studies of scientific facts and what the history is showing you, then answer to some of these great mysteries can be located in some place that people never thought to look. And the same thing with the story of Atlantis and Carlos' book that he's published. So my final two questions here.
where uh, what final comments or remarks and he responded, I was not looking for Atlantis. I was looking at other things. It was Atlantis that made itself not vice versa. The fact that I had never made any assumptions or theories about Atlantis to approach the subject with the greatest freedom of thought and speech. I was not afraid of contradicting myself since I had never written anything about it. I was concerned to pass on certain liable and straight data. You may not agree with the conclusions, but the data I show in my book is very reliable because it is not research done by me, but by scholars and various prestigious universities. I just put all the pieces together, trying to see if they made sense, and I found out that everything makes sense. Porque no son investigaciones hechas por mí, sino por académicos en diversas universidades en el mundo. Yo solo puse las piezas juntas tratando de ver si tenía sentido. And my final question was, where can people find your book, Atlantis 2021? And if you guys haven't already read it, definitely go read it. But he responded that the book can be found in English, Spanish, French, Italian, and Japanese. In English, it is called Atlantis 2021. Lost Continent Discovered, and you can find it at Amazon. And I'll include the link for his book in the description to this episode. Lost Continent Discovered. Y se puede encontrar en el enlace abajo del vídeo. Entonces, gracias y hasta luego. Bye. But with all that, guys, I would have loved to have had Carlos on the show himself. He's a great historical researcher. And if you guys haven't checked out any of his other books, I definitely recommend you do that. And I realized it was a short episode here. Uh, and I'm sure it would have been a little bit longer if I could have actually had him on. But I hope you guys enjoyed this and definitely make sure that you check out his book, Atlantis 2021, which you can find on Amazon. And remember, I'll include the link for that in the description. But with all that being said, guys, thank you for watching this episode, listening to this episode. And uh, go follow us on our social media platforms. On Facebook, you can follow us at History's Mysteries. And on YouTube, we have uh, all of the video content if you guys listen to the audio audio only portions, whether it be on Apple, Google, Spotify, or any of your other major podcast platforms. Thanks for watching this episode, guys, today, and I'll see you in the next one.